Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. At one point when I was a kid, my mother decided that she was going to move us. They were building this housing development out in this rural section of New Jersey, and my mother had gotten some literature on it and fell in love with the place. We actually went to tour it. We saw the model homes. Everything looked nice, but one of the things I was struck with while my family toured the house was how excited they got over everything and how I was not excited about anything. They liked little touches here. They liked this bathroom having this feature, double doors here, patios, balconies, I could care less. Because unlike my sisters and my mom, I was still a kid. There was no water slide. There was no pirate grotto. Nothing that would excite me. This is exactly how I felt almost all of the time when my family would go shopping. There were rare exceptions. One of the biggest exceptions is when I got my family to go to Toys R Us. And Toys R Us was very different than every other toy store that we might go to because my family loved going to malls. We would go on a weekend and we could be there the entire day. And I would luckily get to go to maybe one or two toy stores if the mall had them. Toys R Us stood alone. So when we went to Toys R Us, we went specifically for me. Needless to say, we did not go to Toys R Us as often as we went to other stores. But when we did, I would walk in and I would feel exactly what my family felt when they were going into those model homes, that this place was designed to make me happy. And when I close my eyes and think of Toys R Us, I don't think of the modern Toys R Us that I visited as an adult. I think of those dense, high shelves filled with so many toys it made your kid mind hurt. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about Toys R Us. We'll talk about the person who founded it. We'll talk a little bit about its history, its bankruptcies, its partnerships, its other brands, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Toys R Us was founded by Charles P. Lazarus. Lazarus was born in 1923. He had gone away to World War II, and when he came back, he realized that things were about to change, that people who had gone to war would want to come back and start families. So he rented a former bicycle repair shop on the ground floor of the house he grew up in and started to carry things like carriages, strollers, cribs, and high chairs anything that you would need if you were going to have a baby. At this point, the baby boom started. So he had really good timing, making a lot of money, and as he started to learn how to run a store, 
He kept listening to his customers, trying to hear what they wanted. One of the things that was asked for when you're buying cribs are toys for the kids, and he did not carry toys at first. But listening to his customers, he realized, hmm, what if I actually started carrying some toys? And they were a big success. More importantly, what he realized is that once he sold a crib, he wasn't going to get another customer coming in to buy a crib anytime soon. But if they came in for a toy and the toy broke, they would come in and buy another toy. Or the very next year, they would just need more toys. So toys seemed like the natural place to go next. At this point, he expanded. There was an empty supermarket next door, and he lined the shelves with boxes of toys. Sort of the proto-Toys R Us. And because he could do this in volume, he offered big discounts. And that combination of pricing and massive selection drew the people in. They were located in the middle of Washington, D.C., and people had to find parking, which was really hard to do. But word of mouth spread like wildfire, and this new store was a hit. These children's bargain towns were really well and good, but they didn't really convey what these stores were all about. So in 1957, when Lazarus opened his second store, he named it Toys R Us, with the R backwards in the middle. This was a big risk because this was pre-mall culture, before big box stores were all the rage. He was going into brand new territory. And to really survive, they needed to not just sell toys at Christmas time when everybody was buying toys, but all year round. So they had to start looking for what was the hot toy? What did parents want? They had to basically help to invent the modern toy culture. I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. When I was a kid, my family would get bagels, and this main bagel place that we would go to was called Bagels R Us, with the R spelled backwards and everything. And eventually, they had to change the name of the bagel place from Bagels R Us to Bagels That's Us, because I believe they were sued by Toys R Us. At least that was the story around town. No matter what the name, they really sold good bagels. But I remember kind of learning that you couldn't name something after something else without consequences. And that might have been the first time I learned that. In 66, Lazarus had four stores and decided that he was going to expand. So he needed money. So he sold the operation to Interstate Sales for $7.5 million in cash and a guarantee that he would stay on as head of the toy division. As head of the toy division, Toys R Us continued to be under Lazarus's direction, but Interstate was not doing so well. They tried to grow too fast, and they needed to file for bankruptcy in 1974. Lazarus managed to talk the courts into allowing him to oversee Interstate during the bankruptcy, and he began a restructuring plan, liquidating and selling off unprofitable divisions, but retaining the toy stores. And in four years, Interstate emerged from bankruptcy, and they had a brand new name, Toys R Us. After these messages, we'll be right back. I don't want to grow up on a Toys R Us kid. They got a million Toys and Toys R Us that I can play with. I don't want to grow up I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got the best for so much as you really flip your lid. From bike to train to video Now, back to the show. Lazarus would run Toys R Us until 1994. Then he turned over the CEO title to Michael Goldstein. But he would remain at the company as Chairman Emeritus. 
and serving as a sort of ambassador of Toys R Us to foreign countries when they were hoping to open new ones, and open them they would. Toys R Us would go international starting in 1984, opening its first store in Canada. Then it would license operations in Singapore before expanding into 35 countries. But Toys R Us just wasn't going to be a store that sold toys. No, the brand, the R Us brand, could expand into other things. Things like Kids R Us, which had its first locations in Paramus, New Jersey, and Brooklyn, New York. And I think during the first month it was opened in Paramus, my family went and visited it. It was kind of exciting for a new store to open up. Kids R Us would fold in 2003. In 1996, the first Babies R Us location was opened in Westbury, New York. And this kind of gets back to Lazarus's original business, which was baby supplies, baby products, cribs, all that fun stuff. It would do very well because it would also have a registry. So if you were having a kid, you could register there and people could buy stuff for your upcoming baby. In 2006, Toys R Us bought the fabled FAO Schwartz Toy Company, including their flagship store on Fifth Avenue in New York. And if you don't know what FAO Schwartz is, do you remember the toy store in the movie Big? That's it. That's FAO Schwartz. This sort of mega amazing complex for children's dreams to come true. They would pick that up and maintain it for about nine years before closing it in 2015, saying that it was just too expensive to keep open. Although they would continue to carry FAO Schwartz branded toys in their Toys R Us locations. In the late aughts, Toys R Us opened Toys R Us Express stores around the holidays. These were these small store concepts that for people who couldn't get to the big box stores or didn't want to shop online, maybe they're passing through the mall and just want to get all their shopping done in one place. These things would crop up all over the place. And I think it was a year later or so, I saw my first one and didn't really know what to make of it. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to the show. So you've heard some great advertisements throughout the show so far. Many of them feature the Toys R Us mascot, Jeffrey Giraffe. Jeffrey got his start as Dr. G. Raff Giraffe in print advertisements back in the 50s for the original stores that Lazarus opened, the Children's Bargain Towns. But when Children's Bargain Town became Toys R Us, the artist who had made Dr. G. Raff designed a more lifelike version, and they renamed him Jeffrey. By the 60s, he was so popular that they started making in-store appearances and actually inspired products that had Jeffrey on them. I actually had a Jeffrey Giraffe jack-in-the-box as a kid, a Jeffrey in the box, if you will, and it was one of my favorite toys. I was very annoyed that at one point when I was in high school, we had a garage sale, and my sister sold it for 15 cents still remember that. But I don't hold a grudge. Maybe a little. Jeffrey would go through all sorts of changes over the years, besides the visual changes, which were kind of weird. It was in the 70s when they introduced Jeffrey's entire family, and people loved Jeffrey's family. 
big hit. They would have him and his family show up at stores now as an entire family. Also, he would show up in parades as well as in advertisements together. Jeffrey's wife's name was Gigi, his son's name was Jeffrey Jr., and his daughter's name was Baby G. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi there, friends. It's Jeffrey. When you come to Toys R Us, you can meet me, along with Gigi and little baby G. And wait till you hear who else you can see. You'll meet the amazing Spider-Man at Toys R Us. The Incredible Hulk will be there, too. You'll see that beautiful crime fighter, Wonder Woman. The dynamic duo of Batman and Robin. And cute little Jeffrey Jr., too. The local newspapers will have time and place. Toys R Us. And now... Back to the show. I was working on the internet pretty early, building web pages and whatnot. And ToysRUs.com in the late 90s was a pretty good brand. But at the height of the dot-com stuff at the late 90s, the Christmas rush took its toll on ToysRUs.com. And they failed to deliver their Christmas gifts to people on time. This led them to enter into a contract with a company that you might have heard of called Amazon in 2000 to become the exclusive supplier of toys to the website. This seemed great for both parties. Amazon instantly had all these toys. Toys R Us would pick up the digital know-how of Amazon. Unfortunately, the relationship went sideways. Amazon said they wanted them to expand their offering. Toys R Us said, we're the biggest toy store there is. Amazon said, no, there are other people who want to sell stuff. And they opened up Amazon to other sellers. This annoyed Toys R Us. And they said, you got to take those down. Amazon said, no. And the contract fell apart. Toys R Us would move in and try to sell toys online themselves. But you got to remember, they had now been partnering with Amazon for all this time. And they had not developed the technical know-how they would need to sell toys. So it was a big leap. And they would constantly be playing catch-up. Eventually, they would just start buying other online toy brands, hoping to close the gap. And then they would sue Amazon. Eventually, Toys R Us would win this case and would be awarded $51 million, which was over half of what they initially claimed they wanted. $51 million is a lot of money. But when you consider all the toys that are sold online, I think Amazon came away winning this one. They delayed Toys R Us from entering the internet sale of toys while they built up their ability to not just sell, but ship, distribute, advertise, all the things that Toys R Us would eventually need to teach themselves to do. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, you Toys R Us kids. We have brought you Candy. Jeffrey. It's a man to see a boy. It's gonna be neat. <laughs> Me, of course, the astonishing sectors, rainbow bright in person, and one of the wuzzles to snuzzle. Wow! Check your local Los Angeles area papers for the exact time and day. And now, back to the show. As we learned earlier, Toys R Us knew a little something about bankruptcy, but things got pretty bad in 2017. They would again file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, saying they had $5 billion in long-term debt and would 
borrow money to try to pay for its operations to continue going. At this point, the company had not made a profit since 2013. They then reported late last year that they would start liquidating stores in certain locations, including in international areas. Then on March 15th, 2018, Toys R Us officially entered documents with the bankruptcy court saying that they were going to liquidate their U.S. business. This cloud has a little bit of a silver lining. Toys R Us's Canadian operations still seem to be profitable, and it looks like they will continue on. I can't say that I shop at Toys R Us a lot anymore. I will occasionally go in, shop around. It doesn't have the same effect it had on me when I was younger, although I still feel a great amount of comfort when I would enter one of the stores, maybe because I would be looking for the little things that would remind me of what made going to a Toys R Us great. And if you look around and it looked very different to you and you thought, this isn't the Toys R Us I had when I was a kid, all you had to do was see another kid in there now and you're an adult and see their face and see how excited they are and know it wasn't that different of a store. Maybe it didn't have the same selection. Maybe the aisles weren't quite as crowded. Maybe didn't have the type of toys that you loved as a kid. But still, it was a store meant for kids. And to kids, it's still magical. And that's what makes losing the store such a shame. They'll never get that feeling of entering a place that was built for them. Perhaps someone will buy the assets of Toys R Us and keep the brand alive. Will they have this many stores? It's unclear. But as long as we remember what it was like, as long as... There are some toys on our shelves that we purchased there. The memory of Toys R Us will continue. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. If you are interested in more information about Toys R Us, there's a great book by Ann Koopman called Charles P. Lazarus, The Titan of Toys R Us. It was printed in 1991. It is out of print, but you can get it on eBay and Amazon. Really worth checking out if you can lay your hands on it. Lazarus is a very interesting guy and basically helped to build what would become the modern shopping experience before the internet. now that I say it out loud, is a very specific phantom memory to have. So I'm going to say I had a pair of Jeffrey Giraffe pajamas. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.